Hello and welcome back to the Speak Up Sports Podcast. I'm Anna Lively and I hope you all had a great Easter. The Major League Baseball season is underway and I'm excited to be joined by a broadcaster for the Orioles and MLB Network, Melanie Newman. We will be discussing her journey into this career field, preparation for games, and lots more. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, and share this podcast with others. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Melanie Newman. Well, welcome back to the Speak Up Sports podcast. I'm Anna Lively. And, you know, since it's baseball season, you know, I had to have another baseball guest on. So this week on the podcast, I am joined with an Orioles broadcaster. Uh, she also works with MLB Network, Melanie Newman. N- Melanie, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. So I want to sort of go back in time a little bit with you and start with when did you really know that you wanted to get into the sports broadcasting field? Yeah, I actually didn't know that I wanted to be in broadcasting for a long time. And it took me a while to feel that I deserve to be in this space since a lot of other people always talked about they grew up knowing that they would be here. But I think now I can kind of serve as a story that it's okay to not really be sure of what you want to be doing um, until you get a later on in life. I know I I knew I always wanted to be involved in sports. Um, I was not athletic though. So that came in high school with just finding any involvement that I could. I was a sports editor for our yearbook. I was always helping out with different programs. We have East Cobb baseball right down the road from us. Um, And I took a lot of different odd jobs with that. And I really wanted to be a writer, actually. I was going to be a print journalist or maybe a, you know, a traveling uh, photojournalist for sports. And it wasn't until I went to college and I had a professor who wanted me to switch over and try broadcasting instead, since those are two completely separate majors for us. Um, And they've been around the block. They know what they're talking about. So I trusted them and tried it out. uh, And it was probably the best fit. (laughs) No, I love that you talk about you didn't always know, but that's important, like to show that you don't need to always know because you can not know for a while and then find your passion. But And then you were able to, you know, really use that guidance or help from your professor at college to sort of help you along that path. So you graduated with your bachelor's um, in broadcast journalism from Troy University. What was your like first reporting job or broadcast job after college? Yeah, so um, my first paid job, I was still in college. My former sports information boss had moved on to Stetson, which is in the ASUN conference. Um, And so he had hired a few of us who he knew he had worked with back at Troy to come in and cover that. So I was doing five games a day for um, the ASUN baseball college conference championships. Um, My first paid job out of college, again, for people who feel discouraged, I hit a lot of stumbling blocks. Signed on with upstart leagues, very similar to what we've seen now with the USFL. Um, but they fell apart prior. Some of them turned out really ugly. Um, and so I just, I was feeling a little discouraged. It was probably 16 months out of graduation when I finally got my first job and it was unpaid working in Kilgore, Texas, covering a summer college team. Um, I lasted for about 
four months there before I finally just said, you know what, I'm, I'm not, I'm not happy. I'm not myself anymore. And my dad said, if you've lost who you are, the job isn't worth it. I don't care what the job is. Um, so I quit overnight. I called everybody I knew and just said, look, if it's flipping hot dogs, I just need to find a stadium to finish the season. It was probably July at this point. And, um, I got fortunate enough that a, a good friend, Justin Baker in Mobile, which is now a defunct team, uh, he called and said that they actually needed a new on-field host and that they would love to have me. So I packed up, went from Texas to South Alabama, slept on a friend's couch, but, um, that was my first actual paid job and, and that opened the door for me he put me in the booth um I had to take my free time to do that on top of ticket sales and the hosting responsibilities and they brought me back for the next season in full which was great well talk about a journey there I mean you really stuck it out though <laughs> like I can't imagine first you talked about calling five games a day which is crazy I bet that was exhausting but then like not knowing you know the next step but you like what was the you know the what or the you know why behind why you continue to like feel that you had like a hope that there was something better that was going to come out of all the work that you were doing yeah you know um I think we all get these preconceived ideas in our head of where we'll be by the time we're certain ages and um, really letting go of that for me was the biggest step to move forward and just be happy with where I was. Um, so I didn't always keep that in my head all along of, you know, I want to be somewhere else because at the end of the day, I was still finding really good connections with just people. And, and that's kind of how I've always been driven. I've been a people first person um, I've never played the game and I'm not about to act like I've played the game. So the best that I can do is humanize athletes and give fans an emotional connection and a reason that they want to root for guys or the team as a whole. Um, so my first skipper in Mobile was Andy Green, who, of course, is now in the big leagues. And we had a lot of big leaguers now that were with that team. And so getting to tell their stories and kind of recognizing I knew they were going to make it, um, but that we were at a very small closed setting and a very fortunate privileged experience um that's what i really held on to you know i knew i wanted to be at the ballpark i knew that was my place even if i didn't know where that place was going to end up it was just kind of you know keeping my eye on that day and what i could do that day instead of looking at okay well where am i going to be next year or what am i going to be doing five years from now it was we have this job today and that's the job we're going to take care of no, I think that's great, uh, you know, insight and so helpful for me to hear, but also for other listeners to hear about like you working on like telling that story sort of try to try to like enhance more listeners or get more listeners to in get interested in the game of baseball in and of itself, but also who those players are maybe off the field too. So I feel like, you know, broadcasting, it can range, you know, from color to play by play, you know, all of the above, but for you, like, how do you feel like you learned sort of how to the ropes or whatnot of the play-by-play -play world or how did that sort of come to be throughout maybe even in college or maybe, you know, after the fact? Yeah. So I just kind of got thrown into it. Um, my first assignment full-time in college was our women's division one volleyball program, um, which is a very different clip from baseball because it's constant action. You're constantly talking about the next person who's in charge um, and baseball, you get a little more time to breathe. And I cannot stress enough how it's such a lost art of actively listening. Mm. People will hear people all the time, but you actually have to listen. And so it was just a matter of knowing that I didn't fully know 
and being willing to sit back and listen. Guys like Barry McKnight, who's been the voice of Troy Athletics for decades now, um, is an all-time pro, and he's one of the kindest people out there. So getting to hear his broadcasts was a huge look in for me. And then, of course, in Mobile, listening to Justin and the way he did things. He also had a, a printed-off list of be sure these are the, the fundamentals that you're covering on an inning-by-inning inning basis. So like describing the uniforms, the defensive setup, um, obviously the lineups. And then you can kind of open up once you get the basics that fans need to know covered. But um, I'm still learning on a daily basis. And it's something that I really don't take for granted. I know I'm not a finished product. And I think that can be hard sometimes because fans say, you know, like, oh, how did she get here? And, and she's not any good. And um, the best thing I ever had in my first year in the bigs was Susan Waldman kind of took me aside and said, nobody's good their first year and it's kind of ridiculous that people think you're supposed to come in as a 30-year veteran with this job she said you know I, I I don't even want to think about how I was my first year compared to where I am now and it just kind of is a human reminder to take a step back and and to be okay not being a finished product right away and and to kind of block out all the noise of the people you know who do expect you to just wake up and and be this huge person in the industry because that's it's hard realistic exactly it's very hard I mean I learned stuff you know there's there's two things I take every day and one of them is I wake up and I and I kind of laugh and I say okay I'm going to make one mistake today um because I think when you're just so pressed on being perfect and not making any mistakes when you do mess up you tear yourself apart about it but if you can mm -hmm. laugh about it and be like okay where's the mistake today or I we were in Texas with the team and my day was going too smooth. I was too ahead of things. I'm usually a little bit rushed. Um, I was waiting for the bus. I was so early and I went, something's going to go wrong in the broadcast. I just know it because nothing so far has come unhinged. And it did. We had stuff that went wrong and we had to handle it. But um, if you accept that you're going to make mistakes, it's a lot easier to learn from them and to accept them. And then the second part of that is also waking up and targeting one thing a day that you want to be better at, not multiple just one. So for me, uh, it's been simplifying action because sometimes I can get too wordy and then I'm tripping over myself. You know, I'm, I can't get the play out in a timely matter. Um, so simplifying has kind of been my thing lately, especially because I haven't had a turn in the play-by-play -play chair yet for the regular season. Mm. Um, so that for me, when you can just kind of you know, put the blinders on, take it one thing at a time. Don't overload yourself. It's, it's going to set you up for a lot easier of a day. No, I think that's great advice on sort of the keys that you try to use to help you throughout the day, but also going backwards when you talked about just getting thrown in, in essence, you know, you're sort of learning as you go, but you were still willing to like, be willing to try it, even though you didn't know everything. And as you said, you talk with Susan, like it's, as it is in every other industry as well, like you're going to learn and grow the more you have practice of it. So you shouldn't be expected to be perfect. And I think it's important for, you know, me to see women like you or other people listening, like, because we're all human. So none of us are perfect. So mm -hmm. we all know that, you know, when we see, yes, it's okay to make a mistake, then it sort of, you know, maybe even helps other people that you don't even know you're helping in the, in the matter. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. So you've worked with many different organizations, you know, reported broadcast with ESPN or MLB Network, you know, et cetera. And you're, you know, 
a current broadcaster with the Orioles, and you're the first woman in the organization ever to be the play-by-play in that role. So first off, congratulations. Um, and you're also one of just a very few handful of women in the entire country to call play-by-play for professional affiliated baseball. So what is that the experience like, you know, as you reflect throughout, you know, the recent time and sort of what it's like knowing that you're in a role that is not as common? Yeah, you know, I didn't know until the first article started coming out in 2018, which was my fourth year in affiliated baseball, Mm -hmm. um, just how few of us there were. And of course, as social media has evolved, those connections have been able to grow. But, you know, prior to that, you just don't know who else is out there because we didn't have um, that form of personal outreach that Twitter, Instagram, and all these other things give us. Um, so once the number got put out there, it, it did kind of take me back a little bit, but at the same time, like I've already been doing this, not knowing that I was, you know, relatively the only person out there doing it. And I was okay with that. You know, I had other supportive women from other sports and ventures and pieces of baseball that were really good. The men in my life have been some of the greatest mentors and, you know, uncle figures basically that, that I could ever ask for, um, So when you have a good group around you, it doesn't really afford you to feel alone. Now, that's not to say on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, that that does set in a little bit because, you know, you're not going to go out and get be the first invitation to get drinks with the coaching staff or or to be able to hang out with other people because, like, it's not out of discrimination. I think it's just that we're kind of an afterthought. Um, You know, the guys gravitate together, and that's a forever in history long situation, you know, it's just, it's biology almost. Um, So those moments can get tough. And again, that's where I lean back on the fact that social media has given me some of the closest girlfriends I've ever had. We just all live in way different parts of the country. Um, But it's, you know, they're good. It's a tribe that you have to stick with because there's days where it is tough to, to kind of tell yourself that, that you can do this and, and you feel almost put on a, a conveyor belt. You know, you've been, you've been put in the spot and now you're an example for all the other women and girls that are coming up or who are here, but they're not where they want to be yet. Um, and it's like, okay, if I quit or if I walk away, how does that burn the bridge for everybody else coming behind me, which can be pressured. Sure. Um, but when you have that group around you um, to just encourage you and make you feel a little less, alone in that spotlight of, you know, I have to do this for, for not even for me, but for everybody else. Um, it's a huge blessing. No, I, I think it's great insight that you talked about not only sort of how you try to handle that pressure because you are in such a, you know, small category (laughs) as you talked about, but that you're able to sort of lean on and connect with other friends and women that are in similar situations nowadays with, you know, social media or, or, text or different things even if you're not in person but it's still something that uh is evolving as you know more women get involved in this industry but so speaking of women in the industry I have to take you back to 2021 when you help you know be a part of the first ever all-female MLB baseball broadcast along with four other women oh I love that broadcast first off it was so amazing (laughs) so thank you for being there for you know, being a representation trailblazer, but what was it like getting to be a part of this history-making broadcast 
with all other females and sort of what the what did the preparation look like getting to you know be a little bit different maybe than other games yeah so the play-by-play preparation still stayed the same I was very fortunate that um, MLB Network in this push to be more inclusive and to have more women involved it's been a very genuine and organic approach Um, It has not been gimmicky in the slightest. And so for the first game, it was an Orioles Rays game, which obviously that's a game I was planning to call either way. Um, Having Sarah Langs as an analyst is one of the biggest blessings I could have ever received just because she is so good at her job. She is the ultimate pro. She could tell you anything and everything you need to know. And she is my right hand more times than I can count of texting her in a pinch when I need to find something random. Um, So getting to know everybody was a huge step forward. You know, Alana Rizzo has been a pillar in the reporting industry for so long. And Lauren Gardner and Heidi Watney are just, they're they're pros when it comes to hosting. Um, Logistically, it was a little tough. I don't think a lot of people were able to see behind that curtain just because we were still in COVID protocol. The Orioles were in Tampa Bay for the game. And where originally they wanted to have our crew live in person for the game, um, I was not permitted to travel for it and, it and it kind of tied things up. So I called the first game from Camden Yards uh, on monitors and then I finished the game. I drove overnight to the network studios. Um, so I got in maybe around 2 a.m. Oh we were goodness. in studio the next day. I want to say no later than noon, um, just for obviously the press and the media that come with having a first game like this and then by the time everything was said and done it was a seven o'clock game again um we wrapped up I drove back home overnight because game three was a noon game which you know thank you to the baseball gods for that swift kick um I think I got home at 3 30 in the morning I was I was talking to my dad half the drive because he works nights at Lockheed Martin um and then we had to be up at 545 because I had to remote join the rest of the girls who are live in New York um, with Hoda and the rest of the crew on Good Morning America. I wish I could have been there. I think that's the coolest thing in the world that they got to go. Um, but I'll never forget Hoda asking me, you know, how did it feel to have this huge historic moment? And I said, honestly, I just really need coffee right now. Um, <laughs> you know, it didn't, it didn't have this, this butterfly glittery feeling because at the end of the day, I was doing the job that I've been doing for a few years now, but I was worn out um, trying to get it done. And thank God I was radio for the game that afternoon because I drove straight up to Baltimore after that to call the third game. And uh, my partner, Jeff Arnold, just kind of looked at me and he said, you're a little unwell today. And I was like, yep, let's just get through this game, please. (laughs) Talk about a crazy schedule. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I don't think anybody knows and can respect it until they hear about what, what you guys exactly. have to go through. But that is crazy, you know, that you juggled all of that in between, plus COVID, because we're still in the middle of a pandemic, right? So there's certain distancing or probably things like that, that you aren't normal things, but it was during that time. So thank you for giving us a look into what that whole experience was like for you. And so glad that you guys just got the coverage that you deserved on such a, an amazing, you know, broadcast and really a milestone for women in the professional sports world in general. So it's exciting, but now you're doing more great work, you know, with MLB network also with the Orioles. So what has it been like getting to work with MLB network sort of 
alongside you doing your other work with the Orioles as you do sort of like the Friday night baseball broadcast and those sorts of things? Yeah, so it was more juggling again. Um, of course, the crew for Friday night has changed this year, which um, it works out really nicely for me just because, again, having a full slate with the Orioles, those games last year that fans don't fully understand, um, the preparation was a little more drastic. I was calling Thursday night games for the Orioles. It was usually a 5 a.m. flight Friday, wherever our game was, um, cramming as much as I could between the flight, getting to the hotel, being at the ballpark, just trying to catch up, especially if one of the teams was one that I hadn't seen yet that season, which adds a completely different layer of just trying to understand. Um, and I think the biggest blessing I had with those Friday games was, uh, it, like I said earlier, with simplification, it helps out a lot of things. And for me, I think there was a realization of the whole, the old stay in your lane motto. Mm -hmm. um, but just in the fact that my main goal is to be a traffic operator and to call the plays. Um, I don't have to know everything. I have two analysts to my right that are supposed to be able to fill in the gaps. And so being able to defer, especially to Chris Young, he's absolutely wonderful um, to have him break down plays or certain players because he has so many personal relationships having played for so long. Mm -hmm. um, that really got us through because then it was a 5 a.m. flight Saturday right back into Baltimore to call a day game for them. So this year with Network, We've retooled my schedule a little bit. I'll be able to pop on some stuff for MLB tonight. Um, if the Orioles have a series off, the nice thing about Baltimore, New Jersey being so close is it's not overly taxing on me. So people will still be able to watch me on studio shows, breaking some stuff down with some of the best and the funnest guys to ever do it, quite frankly. And we've got some other stuff in the works as well as far as calling games with network, but uh, we'll have to share those at a later date. Well, that's exciting. And it's good to hear sort of how you've been able to be a part of both of these types of things and share your insight and your knowledge and all of the above. But also, I like that you talked about it, the importance of sort of knowing that you can lean on the other broadcasters that you're calling the games with so that you're not like pressurizing yourself to try to handle too many things at one time. But it's impossible. You cannot know everything. You can't. No, and speaking of MLB Network, looks like you guys all have a blast, so it's fun to get to watch you guys, you know, talk about the game of baseball. So it's going to be exciting to see the work that you continue to do with them in the 2023 season. Thank you. No, they really, I cannot say enough good things about Mark Kaiafa and the rest of the group that they've put together. They are, it, it's so much fun. Awesome, for sure. All right. Well, Melanie, what I always do with my guests to finish off the podcast is what I call my favorite five questions. So first off, what's one piece of advice you want to give to the next generation? Um, Really, it just comes down to hard work in, in whatever you want to be in. I know it's really easy in this day and age, you see the TikTok stars and the influencers and um, taking a different path, but sports is a different one. And it's a special one that I think is a little untouched by time. And sometimes it means you're working odd jobs to connect the dots and pay the bills. But if this is really where you want to be and you're convicted in that, um, that shouldn't phase you at all. And um, if you get a no, it just means it's not that job. It's going to be a different job for you. And I've found that every no I've got in between 
I've been able to look back at how much I've learned and realize maybe how much I wasn't ready. And it was a better thing that the job had passed because the worst is to take a job and then fail at it. Um, that sets you back more than not getting one and really buckling down and deciding, you know, you're going to be better. You're going to find ways to be better. Um, so just put in the hard work because sports, sports is an absolute grind. Well, that's great advice. And I love that you talked about, you know, basically turning a negative into a positive with, you know, not knowing, you know, if you get no's or not, but thank you for that. Now, the next one is to give a shout out to someone who's made an impact on your life. Oh, gosh. I don't know if I can limit it. <laughs> um, I mean, my my right hands in this industry are, are Danny Wexelman and, and Jessica Kleinschmidt, um, both with MLB radio and then the Oakland Athletics, as well as a few others. They are uh, everything. They're my confidants. Uh, they're some of the most hard-nosed women for me, who's a very soft person. Uh, they've helped toughen me up a little bit, but I, I guess we have to start with them for sure. Hey, that's great. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, I know you're a busy person. You probably don't get many breaks, but if you had an off day and you could plan your ideal day, how would you want to spend it? Oh yeah. We have um, a little beach that's probably two hours from us. And if we had a really true full off day, that's not during tax season where I currently find myself. Um, we're definitely at that beach. There's a great little pizza shop there. We kind of like to eat way too much pizza and just, just take in some rays and relax. Well, that sounds like a fun and enjoyable day. <laughs> All right. What sport would you commentate on if you didn't commentate on baseball? Yeah. So I will say with exception, um, maybe not being in the booth, but I was a sideline reporter for college football until COVID removed every sidelining job. And uh, I miss, I miss reporting on college football tremendously. There's a different vibe, the atmosphere, the students, both the athletes and the fans that are in the stands. It's, it's just a different world and it's fantastic. Mm, oh, nice. I like that. All right. Last, but certainly not least, if you had a superpower that can make the world better, what would you want it to be and why? I don't think I've ever been asked this in my life. I don't, you know, it's, it's not a superpower or at least a traditional superpower, but I think the ability to understand and communicate in any language is mm. huge. Um, especially in our industry where we have athletes that come from all over the world and, and, you know, it's hard to learn English. We have five different variations of the same word. And, um, I think that would just be so useful in, in being able to kind of connect people together, but also making other people feel like they're seen and, and they're at home. Um, so it might not be a flashy superpower, but that would definitely be my superpower. And I do have to add um, to your last question, because of course now it's entering my mind, commentating or being involved would probably definitely be Formula One. Ooh, that's a nice <laughs> one going back to that one. But also regarding the superpower, I would second that because I think that would be an awesome superpower if you could know every single language. That would that would take a lot of um, hassle or stress out of the whole translator aspect. If you right? didn't want to talk, that would be pretty awesome. So I, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> all right. Well, Melanie, thank you again so much for coming on the podcast and sharing all your insights, your stories, experiences from your career so far. And I can't wait to continue to watch it 
and watch you. Of course, I'm always in your corner. I'm happy to do it. Thank you.